Welcome to the Limitless Grit Podcast, where we have conversations with social entrepreneurs, thought leaders, and ordinary people who are achieving extraordinary results. And now, here is your host, Shristi Gajarel. Hey, you guys. Happy Sunday. Hope you're having a wonderful weekend so far. I had a 12-mile run this morning. Um, I have a marathon in a month, so, you know, just... <laughs> running every single day but I'm super pumped about sharing today's podcast episode where I have Amy Esler. She's a 200-hour registered yoga teacher and certified Baptist yoga instructor. She's also a occupational therapist, plant-based educator, Africa yoga project mentor. She's also ambassador for Lululemon and Amrita Bar Ambassadors. But what really inspired me about her story was she was diagnosed with breast cancer in 2009, which changed her life. But instead of being a victim, she decided to take in charge of her life and made the best out of that situation. Um, She has done multiple marathons and truly lives her life to the fullest every single day. Truly a leader and I had such a great time having a conversation with her. We talked about eating healthy. We talked about you know, her reaction when she found out she had cancer. We touched a lot of different topics. So I really, really hope you enjoyed this conversation as much as I enjoyed having it with Amy. And without further ado, Amy Esler, everyone. Amy, welcome to the show. Thank you. I'm excited to be here. Me too. From um, my kitchen to yours. <laughs> um, I mean, you are a mother, wife, occupational therapist, marathoner. You've done like trilathons. Um, a cancer survivor, you are a registered yoga teacher, but if you had to explain yourself in a few sentences um, and give a little background to our listeners. A few sentences, that's hard. Um, so I, what I'm, in a few sentences, my, I think what I'm up to now in my life is to make big impact on the world to make it a better place for my children to live in. So that's really what, what like I stand for at this point. And I think that, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm 47. I'm proud. (laughs) I, you know, in my lifetime, I've been through so much and I was, I've been an occupational therapist for like 20 something years and I've worked with children and families. And, uh, then I like had wound up having my own family. And then all of a sudden I was, you know, diagnosed with cancer and, it was kind of like a wake up call Mm -hmm. and it kind of made me really look at like my life and what I wanted out of life. And, you know, it's like been a work in progress. So that's kind of where, kind of how I got to where I am now. And now my husband and I opened a yoga studio and I love doing yoga teacher trainings. And my, my teacher trainings are not about, they're about teaching yoga, Mm -hmm. but it's so much bigger than teaching yoga. Like as a, as a, you know, I went to college, I got my master's in occupational therapy and I had a, I have, I have a career and the teaching yoga and learning about yoga and how it impacted me and how it kind of got me really focused on like my own self in a way has made me so much more available for other people. Wow. And that's kind of what I want to share. Wow. I mean, you seem like you are super healthy and, you know, always like worked out and were in shape. How was it learning that you had cancer and what changes you made after um, you found out about it? 
So I had, you know, I was 38. So it was almost nine years ago. And I was a shocker because although I had a little bit of history in my family, I always ate really well. My mom used to make fun of me. She would say like, you'd come home from school and like make a salad. Like, you know, I never drank soda. My mother always gave me whole wheat bread. And, you know, I always ate really well. And I, you know, in growing up, I, I was never like into sports, but when I was in high school, I was a cheerleader and that was very physical. And then when I moved to New York city after college, I, I I had no money and I really wanted to start exercising and the cheapest thing to buy was a pair of sneakers. (laughs) So I started running and I wound up doing, you know, a couple of marathons. Like it was a big shocker to me that I was even doing that. And so I had, and I, I nursed both my kids and we were living in the city and a one bedroom apartment had two kids. And then we were like, let's move to the suburbs. So we moved to the Stanford and all of a sudden it was like, we bought a house and two cars, totally different life. I had just gotten a job and then it was like, bam, hit with cancer. So it really just like was an eye opener that it can really affect anybody that it wasn't that I was not healthy. Mm -hmm. It was just, just, it just was from who knows what. And I, and I really needed to take control. So after all of my treatments and my surgeries, I started to read, um, sexy diet by Chris Carr. And that really like started to make me think about like the foods that I was putting in my body and how could I keep away cancer. And I started to do a lot of juicing and a lot of smoothies. And, and then I started to get back into working out and all the time I was doing a little, like during my treatment, I was doing yoga, but I I felt like I needed to like get more intense Mm -hmm. with my workouts. So that's when I started to do triathlons. Oh wow. And I did one triathlon before I had cancer as a way to lose my baby fat. (laughs) And then, but it was like, literally like I did my triathlon and the next day I went to the doctor and I found out I had cancer. It was crazy. So when I was getting back to health, I was started to do triathlons. My husband started to do them and it just like recharged me. And then I did a half Ironman and I decided that was, that was good. I was done. (laughs) Is that hard? It was hard. Yeah, it was really hard. And I was never in it for like time. I just wanted to finish the damn thing. So it took me a really long time, but I did finish it. And then my best friend was doing this thing called Baptiste Power Yoga. And she was like, you should go, you should go. And I really, I was like, I really want to go. But my husband and I were trying to go on vacation. And he was like, well, why don't we make that our vacation? And I was like, all right. And it was literally not a vacation. It was a week, one week of like in like intense yoga and going inside and figuring out what made you tick and all about like the stories you make up about who you are and why and how they completely get in your way. Wow. And that was just like one more step closer to kind of where kind of where I am today. So how does the story you tell yourself determine your life? Or how you live your life? Well, I mean, if you have the story that you're not good enough and that you can't do anything, then it, it, it stops you from like moving forward. And if you can, if you can see the story you tell yourself, you know, like my story was, you know, oh, well, when I was little, my parents got divorced and, you know, my dad got remarried and, you know, the family dynamics mm-hmm. and. But so, you probably never even like sat down and thought about the stories you were telling yourself, right? 
So it's interesting because I did, at one point, I went to therapy, mm. and I actually saw a psychoanalytic therapist who was amazing, and I lied down on a couch, and I went through my whole life story. And, but when, you, when, you, when your story starts to get in the way of like doing the things you want to do is when it's hard to differentiate your story from what you're trying to do. So like my story was like, I was never good enough. I was always the last person to do everything. I was the last person to get married. I was the last person to have kids, you know, of all my friends. And I really let that kind of get in the way of my happiness. And and then like now I can see where it gets in my way. Like I'm, I'm so much more like it's always going to be there. Like you're always going to have something that gets in your way. But it's the taking off the blinders and being able to see that it's actually the thing that's getting in your way. And then you have a choice of whether you're going to let it stop you or let you're going to let or if you're going to move past it. Wow. I did um, Anthony Robbins uh, Unleash mm-hmm. the Power Within a few months ago. Yeah. And I never really realized how my story was affecting my life. And for me, it was like growing up, you're a girl or my aunts like got arranged marriage and you're expected to not be that confident expected to not be this independent person and in a way like when I was in that conference I realized wow like I was stopping myself to share my idea because of subconsciously I was like I'm not supposed to be like that you know exactly it really affects you if you just don't sit down and like deal with it and even just knowing that that's your story is is like dealing with it Mm -hmm. so like even if you for me when I, when I, when I get to like a point where I'm like, in a way trying to make a decision about something and I go back and forth and should I, shouldn't I, should I, shouldn't I, my, I, I, I see the like spiral, right? I see that it's, I'm, I'm getting out of control and then I like, I can either shake myself out of it or I could just keep spiraling, spiraling out of control. And I'm sure I mean my mom had cancer and going through chemo is one of the hardest thing and she's one she was one of the toughest people I know and it even broke her down and I can imagine like you having two small kids and like just going finding out that you had cancer at such a young age must be devastating and I'm sure there were days when you didn't want to get out of bed you didn't want to even do like normal thing that you would usually do what did you tell yourself to get out of that mindset and eventually do things like yoga or make incremental changes in your life that eventually led you to the life you have now? So when I was going through chemo, my husband downloaded the Twilight series on my phone. So, you know, I'd, I'd go, do you know what I'm talking about? The Twilight series? No, is that a movie? Twilight movie? The, the books. The okay. books and the movie. Okay. Yeah, it's like the books and the movies. Yeah. 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 So, you know, with the, the vampires yeah. and the wolves and that sort of thing. Yeah. So I when I would go to chemo, I would listen to it. I would listen to it on tape. It was a book on tape. Uh-huh. And so I'd listen to it. And, and, and that literally was just enough un, unreality to get me through it. Wow. And the other thing that was I had two little kids. Like I had no choice. Like I had to get out of bed. I had to have a smile on my face. And what I realized about my story is that I, I, I need to take care of everybody else. So there was no time for me to like, like I had my moments where I stayed in my bed and I just didn't feel good. And, 
But those moments were like when I was by myself. But if there were people around, I would just get up and like put on the happy face and kind of move forward. So there was one time when right before I had surgery that I was speaking to my best friend and I was like, if anything happens to me, please just take care of my, my family. And that was like the only time that I was like, all right, like this is real. And then, and then after my surgery, I was like, there, this is, there's no going back. Like, I just have to go forward, go forward, go forward. I have two little kids. I just have to go forward. And it was pretty amazing to see the outpouring of help from people. So I just felt like I didn't really have a choice. I had to just keep, even when I felt like crap, you know, I was so like in a spacey, it's kind of like a big blur. Mm -hmm. Um, but it, it definitely made me feel when it was all done and over, like I definitely was like, there was a reason this happened to me. Like Mm -hmm. this happened to me because I needed to show people that, that it wasn't that bad because after I had breast cancer, like at least 10 other people I knew got it. And I, you know, that, but I was like, you know what? Like it, it, it was, it's not the worst kind of cancer. Like what I had like was not that bad. Like other people have it way worse. Did you always have this positive mindset or did you develop it after you were cancer free or because of your process? I think I always had my, always my way of being was to like put on a happy face and, and, and act happy and act positive. And now I feel like I'm living in it because there's no other way. Right. So I can, I can choose to, it's almost like when you, when you're in a, when you're in a room full of people and everybody, if you're in an elevator Mm -hmm. and like everybody's very serious in the elevator, all of a sudden you smile at one person. It's like the whole elevator lights up. Right. So you can choose, I could choose to just be miserable and hide in a corner, but that would like suck everybody down with me. So, you know, it's almost like you create. I created the positivity of just putting the smile on and seeing other people be happy, and then you know it just kind of like a like it just ripples. I think the what I learned from your story is like you refuse to be a victim. Yeah, and I think a lot of people- I also love attention. Like I, <laughs> let's not lie, I love attention and and free with cancer. I've had so many great things happen. Like it really is amazing the stuff that I've gotten from can like so about a year after I was diagnosed I I saw this article in self magazine about cowgirl yoga versus cancer and I was like what's this and I read the article and it's like Sub- make a submission so I like wrote this thing really quickly I wrote out the, the application I sent it in the email And like a month later, I get this email, you've been selected to come to Montana and do horseback riding and yoga for free with 10 other breast cancer survivors. And I was like, okay, that's cool. (laughs) And then uh, HGTV came and redid my kitchen, you know, because I had a great story. And I just met a lot of people. And so amazing. Or you can always get something good out of every bad situation if you look for it. Exactly. You have to make lemonade out of lemons. I I really feel like strongly about that you can choose to just sit and be miserable, but like you only live once. Yeah. And like you said, I think action matters a lot. And there is a psychological thing when 
it says that if you if your brain doesn't know if you're happy or sad, so if you make yourself smile, eventually you will think that you're smiling. And with your situation, even if you're going through a really hard time, you wanted a dose of, you know, like fantasy. So you were listening to Twilight series. Right. So eventually it became real. You started feeling, I guess, like happy, even if, you know, your situation didn't demand you to be happy. Totally. I made my husband take me to the the opening of Twilight. We were like the <laughs> oldest people there. <laughs> we were the oldest people there and he was the only guy there. And it was, but you know, like you need something, like you need something, whatever it is. I mean, n- not everybody loves Twilight, but um, you know, you need something to keep you going. And, and sometimes it's something silly like that. Why Twilight? Like why, why, why do you have such a fascination? I don't know. He, Cause he, well, he, he put it on my phone to like listen, Cause he was like, you know what? You're going to be there for three or four hours. Cause I was getting, you know, my chemo was infused through a IV and he's like, so, so what, what was I going to do? I couldn't read cause my attention was so bad and I didn't feel like, like I couldn't really move. Mm-hmm. So he's like, why don't you just listen? And I was like, well, what am I going to listen to? He's like, well, just try this book. And then it was the first book and then the <laughs> second book and then the third book. And then the, and I was like, it was just yeah, for me, I was like, it's like this, it was like a love story. And like, there was like, just, so, and I, and at one point I was like, I want to be a vampire. <laughs> like, I just want to be a vampire. <laughs> Bring on my inner vampire. And it just gave me like something to look forward to. So instead of going to my chemo sessions, like, oh God, they're going to pump me with drugs. I was like, yes, I get three hours to listen to the book, you know? So silly but it really helped I mean um I want to ask about your diet I know you changed your diet after being cancer free and why did you choose to have plant-based diet so I did read this crazy sexy diet by Chris Carr and she kind of gave me a little bit to think about and then I was then I started to do a little more research and how like um animal proteins affect cancer cell growth. And I was, I just needed to take control. So I was like, let me just try this on. And, and it took me a few trials to get it right. And, and it, I was pretty, pretty strict, I would say for about five years, like I green juice and, you know, fully plant-based. I wouldn't eat anything that had egg in it or anything. And then I just started to like, look at like my life and, but I just let a little of the control go and it, it made me a little bit happier. And so then I was eating, like, I would have like cookie that had egg in it or, you know, so, so I, I, I didn't make it so strict. I didn't want it to turn into, you know, whenever you go to a restaurant and somebody, and I'm like, you know, we don't eat meat or dairy. Like for us, it's like, okay, can I have a side of this, 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 and this? Like, you know, you, it's so easy but like when you go to people's houses, like if they're like, oh, I don't know if I have enough food for you. And I'm like, well, we're fine. Yeah. Because my husband is also um, plant-based for his own reasons. But it kind of started from wanting to be healthier, wanting to stay cancer-free and really needing to be in control. And what I would say to people, though, I would never, ever put my what I felt on other people. So if when, when other people who had cancer were like, Oh my God, how do you eat like that? I'm like, you know, it's a choice, mm-hmm. like choice. It's a beautiful thing we have. You could choose to eat meat or you could choose to not. And I choose to not. And, and since then it's gotten more ethical for me. Like I'm 
like the whole cow thing. And yeah, like now I just get grossed out. <laughs> just, and it just came from like doing the research and just seeing. So it's kind of in a nutshell. Would you ever yeah. like eat meat? Do you think? I would eat fish. I would never eat. I would never eat chicken. I would never eat red meat. I would never eat like, no, I wouldn't eat any like furry animal. <laughs> if it's scaly, I may eat it, but if it's furry, I won't eat it. <laughs> How long did it take you to get to that point when you're like, you know what? I'm never gonna eat meat. How long? I don't know. I mean, at the beginning, I was like, I'm never going to have anything with any animal proteins again. And then I was like, all right, a little bit of egg won't, won't kill me. And then, you know, and then now, now I've been doing this whole 30 diet. And, um, so my diet consisted of like beans and grains and a little bit of tofu and all that stuff. And now I've taken all of that out and now I'm just eating vegetables pretty much. Wow. Yeah. It's all vegetables and a little bit of egg, but you know, I feel so much better. So I also think it's like how you feel, mm -hmm. you know, and the whole, I mean, I don't know if you know, but like the whole, I had gone to this like Ayurvedic person and you know, the, the, <laughs> do you, do you run hot or do you run cold? And you know, there, are, there's something to that. Like, so I think it's a choice, you know, like some people do the, the blood, diet, the blood test yeah. diet, uh, the keto, keto, ketogenic, yeah, the ketogenic, you know, I personally think like, if you're gonna eat like a caveman, you should be a caveman. And that's my personal like opinion. And I don't think that the caveman should eat vegetarian, he needs to eat what he needs, what he wants to eat. So, you know, I think it's a choice and, 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 um, what feels good in your body. Mm -hmm is the most important thing because it's your body, it's your temple. And, you know, if you, if you feel like your temple needs that, then, then you should eat that. And if it doesn't, then you shouldn't. And for me, I think after coming to America the first year, I, I was, I grew up in Nepal and lived there till I was 15. So when I came here my first year, I gained like 10 or 12 pounds and our diet here is so bad. And for someone who was born here and lived here and, it's part of their life. It's impossible for them to even realize, hey, like I shouldn't be eating this. Hey, this is not normal, you know. And I know people who are in their 50s and 60s and have never seen a real cow or never seen a real pig or anything like that. So for someone who is so accustomed to this environment or this lifestyle, how would you suggest for them to start eating healthy or start taking care of their body? Where should they go? I think you, yeah, you need to start by reading the labels. So part of, I think what happened in our, in our country too, is that, you know, big companies took over and wanted to make things cheaper. Mm -hmm. So the way that things are made is so much worse and what, what's in the foods are so much worse. So like, I love to shop at Trader Joe's because I can look at like, what's on. And I, and I, you know, my kids don't eat perfect. Like I, I literally just bought them like these Trader Joe's pop tarts because I wanted them to, you know, just have something sweet yeah, that they Trader like. Joe's. Yeah. Because if you read the, if you read the ingredients, it's not, there's no, there's no food coloring. I mean, I have this thing about 
yellow number four. Like, I don't know why we need to put that in. I mean, like if you go to the supermarket, if I go to the regular supermarket and I go to the pickle section, every jar of pickles has yellow number four. Like, why do you need to put dye in pickles? There's no reason. So you go to Trader Joe's and it's like pickles and all that's in it is cucumber and like whatever it is that makes it sour. You know what I mean? There's no, there's no dye in it. I have this thing with my kids for Halloween. Um, you know, they like to go trick or treating and they like all the, to get all the candy. And I literally say, get all the candy you want. You can pick like five things that don't have food coloring and I'm going to give you five or 10 more things that, that I got from Whole Foods that has no food coloring or that I got from Trader Joe's that has no food coloring. Like there's no need for M&Ms to put food coloring in. There's so many other ways to do it. So that drives me nuts. So I would say the first and foremost is know what it is you're actually putting in your body. And if you don't know what this long word is, you should look it up. <laughs> right? You're yeah. eating something that you don't know what it is. Mm -hmm then look up what it is. Yeah. Get educated on what it is. Yeah, that's true. And they say sugar-free or diet. That's even worse. That's even worse. Exactly. Like, my kids are like, well, can I have a, you know, diet Coke? I'm like, I'd actually rather you have the Coke. You know what I mean? Like, take the whole sugar and not the, well, I don't even know what's in Coke these days. But, but you know, like, yeah, have the whole thing. Don't, don't, don't the diet, the sugar-free, like what's in it aspartame or yeah. gasoline or whatever <laughs> i wouldn't be surprised i mean yeah who knows so start who by knows? looking at labels and see what you're actually putting in your body would be the first step totally and i think that the other thing is that you can get whatever whatever like you're craving from like a whole food Right, so like it's kind of expensive spring, though, a little bit more. That's like people's idea. Yeah, it's their thought, but it's not. If you think about it, it's not like you can go buy an apple, or you can go buy like this morning. I had these blackberries from Trader Joe's, or strawberries, mm -hmm. or you, you know what? Or if you think that if you think that like get buying the the like fresh produce is expensive, then just go buy the frozen. Like you know, like you can buy frozen strawberries and make a smoothie. And it tastes just as sweet as if you had fresh strawberries. You know, there's ways to do it. And, you know, if you eat things that are in season, typically they're cheaper than things that, you know, eating strawberries in the middle of winter tends to be more expensive. Mm -hmm. So, you know, you want to eat things that are in season. And there's ways to do it. People think that it's going to cost a lot more money. And, yeah, if you buy everything organic, it's going to cost more money. But, like, so maybe you don't buy organic and you, you know, you get, you get things that are local and um, – or, or start a garden. You know, like, the other thing that, that I did one year – so Trader Joe's has those um, – the romaine lettuce yeah. that comes in, like, a three-pack. And I buy the organic one. Well, I did an experiment and I – cut it in half and then I replanted it and then I grew my lettuce the whole summer. Wow. Just from buying one bag. So like I bought one bag of lettuce and then I made it turn into like, you know, like 10 bags of lettuce. It's pretty awesome. Yeah. So I think that like there's ways to do it. And, and nowadays there's like 
there's, um, I feel like so many like, um, little garden places where you can do your shares, your garden shares. And even in the cities that they make like plots for people to do their, their gardens and, you know, buying seeds is not that expensive. So yeah. there's ways to do it. Yeah. And I think the most important thing is making yourself believe that, Hey, listen, like maybe I should change my lifestyle a little bit, like eating that sandwich with like so much sauce every day or like eating that pizza every day might not be a good idea maybe I should replace it with salad like twice a week you know that will make a huge difference yep and and the thing is though the more that we keep buying the foods that are making us sick the more they're gonna make it (laughs) you know the more they're gonna make it like it's just yeah and I think Pepsi and Coke are changing their Coke and Pepsi model. They're making more healthy drinks because people are not buying them anymore. Totally. Totally. And I actually know somebody who, who works for one of the companies and, 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 you know, she was saying like, I'm trying, I'm trying to like get them to see you can't call this healthy when it has like 40 grams of sugar or whatever. And, and, you know, like everybody's out to make money. I totally get it. But, like, at what cost? Yeah. You know, what's the cost? And I think it goes so. back to our idea of, like, being empathetic. Like, rather than saying, looking people as money, I think we should start looking at them as human beings and realize, hey, like, the product I'm making might cause someone cancer or might right. cause someone's, you know. Yeah. And the other thing is, is like, what you do, your kids are going to do. Mm-hmm. So, like, if I came home and drank a, you know, coca-cola every day my kids are going to want to drink coca-cola every day you know do they ever have coca-cola yes like my kids go to parties and they go and they we go out to to lunch and they're like can I order a root beer and it's like yeah you can have a root beer because you don't have it every day Mm -hmm. you know it's not like it's not like and would I rather them not of course but like if I always say no they're gonna go do it anyway Mm -hmm. so like like let's be in conversation with our children about what's healthy and what's not so that they can make a choice. Yeah. You know, like today maybe they're going to get the, the crappy root beer and then maybe next time they'll get the unsweetened iced tea. You know what I mean? So like, or water or whatever it is, but you know, it's, it's giving them the power to make their own choices from like an educated way. Not like, no, you can't eat those Doritos. Like I say to my kids, no, you can't eat those Doritos. Did you read the label? And my, and you know, my kids are like, oh, there's, there's like red, yellow number, whatever. And I'm like, yeah. So, and they're like, well, we go to Trader Joe's. I'm like, read the label. And there's none of that. They're like, can we get this? I'm like, sure. (laughs) You know, so it's like being together and like really just educating yourself and others. Like I had to educate my mother on the food coloring in the pickles. She had no idea. Yeah. Why would you ever think that there would be food coloring in pickles? There's no need to. Right. So I, I request that every single person that listens to this podcast go look in their refrigerator and see what's in their pickle jar. <laughs> I'm going to do that, actually. <laughs> <laughs> but I also wanted to ask you, uh, you're so busy and you do so many things. How does your day start and how do you manage your time? Like, What's your day-to-day look like? My day to day is my day. What does it look like? So like, well, now I have a new puppy Uh and 
I or promise. Do you have a morning has, routine or anything like that? Yeah, well, I promised I was going to get out of bed and, and walk the puppy, but my husband has so kindly taken that responsibility <laughs> a, a couple of days in a row. So, but I get up and I, so now I have two kids who are on two different school schedules. So we get up and I get one kid ready for school and then he walks to school with a friend and then I come back and I get the other kid ready and then I take him to school. And usually I have like a little bit of t- downtime and then I go either see a client or go teach a yoga class. And I have the middle of the day, like a couple hours to myself, which I usually fill with like meeting people or like I'm, I'm working on my teacher training. So do that. And then I pick my kids up from school and then I go back out and I teach yoga or I see a client and then I come home and I make dinner and then I have meetings. Yeah. <laughs> it's just, it's just, and then like this weekend we're going away. So it, it all, it all balances out. Like I had to make a choice, um, this past year. So this past year, so I started before we opened the yoga studio, I was working a lot as a OT, as an occupational therapist. And it was great in that I really needed to keep doing that because I needed to keep up on my, you know, like, like if I don't, it's not, if I don't work, we can't get the like extra things. Mm -hmm. Like I need to work in order to be able to do the things that we want to do and have like a, a, the lifestyle that we want. And so I was working, my husband was working full time. We opened the yoga studio. Like it just, I had two kids. I had like four jobs because my I just do like little jobs at different places and, Mm -hmm. and then I had to make a choice and it was like, I couldn't maintain what I was doing. So I had to let something go. Like I had to just say like, this isn't working. And you know, where, where do I see, where do I want to be the most and how can I make that happen? I'm sure that was a hard decision too. Cause I'm sure you're attached. Well, I was attached to some of the clients and, And, you know, it's like, again, a control thing. It's like, I like to be like, well, what if I like, you know, lose this job and then the studio goes under and, you know, and my husband was like, look, like, like, look at, like, lay it out. My husband's an IT guy. So he's like, let's make an uh, Excel spreadsheet. And I was like, okay. And he's like, look, this is the money that we're making. And, you know, for me, the story is all around money. So it's, and that's a huge control thing. So now I know when I start to spiral, like, okay, don't worry about that. Like, just like, let's look at the real picture. And, you know, I had to make a choice. So I, I stopped working at one of the clinics that I worked at and, um, I started to just like want to be more available for my kids at pick up and drop off. And right now I love it. I love my schedule. I got a new puppy. I love my puppy. (laughs) I love my family. And I'm going to Africa. (laughs) Oh, wow. Tell us about it. So I am a mentor for a man in Nairobi, Kenya, through the Africa Yoga Project. So the Africa Yoga Project empowers youth in Kenya and now all in, in Nairobi and all outside different places of Africa to get out of like the slums and stealing and doing drugs and 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 teach them how to teach yoga and then they go back to their communities and then they teach yoga in their communities and make make it a better place so for the past three years I've been a mentor and uh the the African Yoga Project is doing a yoga teacher training in Nairobi and they needed people to help assist it so 
I've been really wanting to go to meet my mentee and I really wanted my whole family to go, but it was just too much to like all yeah. go. And so I'm going by myself with my, with my, you know, colleagues, wow. fellow yoga, te- yoga teachers. And, um, it's 14 days and it's teaching, teaching people how to teach yoga and a little bit of service work and a little bit of safari and, that's amazing. Is it your first time leaving your kids for 14 days? Yeah. I've left my kids for like a week, one week. Uh, my kids went to sleepaway camp, so they left me. <laughs> <laughs> um, but this is the first time that like my husband will be home with the kids. And I, it's, you know, I'm like, my stepmother's going to come and my mother's going to come. And I'm going to get all these people to help with the kids. And so it'll be good, though. That's my kids awesome. will be in school, so it'll be fine. That would yeah. be so rewarding. I mean, I just hearing from it, I can't even imagine like how great you're going to feel after making that impact. Yeah, I think that that's my goal is to show people that when when you die, what do you want people to know about you? Mm. What impact do you want to leave? Like, what's your mark you want to leave? Do you want to leave the mark that, oh, she went shopping and, you know, that was what she loved to do? Like, how can you leave your, your mark that, that, that gives back and, and serves other people, not just yourself? I mean, and I'm all about doing stuff for myself. Like, I'm, I, I need to go get a manicure and a pedicure and all that good stuff. But, like, what, what I want to show my children and, and, and just people that it's just the world is a better place when we're all, like, together. Yeah. It's we have so a cool. we have a little bit of a plan. My husband, he wants to build like a yurt city. Do you know what a yurt no. is? A yurt is like a, um, a a tent that is a little bit sturdier than like a tent that you pitch in the ground. So it has like a floor and that's like wood. And then it has um, like the, it's like a cloth. <laughs> anyway, look it up. He wants to build yurt a yurt city. city. Okay. A yurt city. But, but the idea is that you build this yurt and then we have people come who are like, who have like, they want to do something, but they don't know exactly what they want to do. And, but anyway, the whole idea is to like give people a place where they can, they can like get grounded and see what it is they want to do and give them space to do it. Wow. That sounds so powerful. I mean, if it was already on, I'll probably be doing it, but I, (laughs) My next question is, I'm, I just turned 24 last month, and a lot of my friends are in their 20s and super confused about life. So we, it's like, you know, you know you want to be on top of Mount Everest, but you don't know exactly how to go about it, and you're in America. So you have this goal, this vision, but you, are, you don't have clarity, or you know there's a purpose that's bigger than yourself, but you just don't know how to get there. So you seem someone who know her purpose, who wants to make an impact through yoga and through just being yourself. And how do you, how can someone get to the point you are now and how can one find more clarity in their life? I think that the biggest, the biggest thing for me was writing it down. Mm. Right. So, so in our work of, with this Baptiste power yoga and, and just, like coaching and, uh, you know, writing it down and like coming up with like a, a plan, like a, a one year plan, a five year plan and a 10 year plan. 
I also have been very lucky to be um, a Lululemon ambassador. So through Lululemon, I've done a lot of work on like my vision and goals. And I literally like my husband, I remember I, I had written my vision and goals and like what I wanted my life to look like in 10 years. And, and then he came home one day with this big 3M like board and he's like, let's write it down. What do we want? Like we want a yoga studio. We want it to say Connecticut power yoga. We want it to be freestanding. We want to be Baptist certified teachers. We want to be an affiliate studio. We, we just wrote it all down. Mm -hmm. And literally we like check, 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 check. So I think like you need to have your like your what you want and then you need to write it down. But I think you, most people printed. don't know what they want. Like, But you know what? Everybody has a vision of like, oh, in 10 years, I want to be married and have two kids and live in a big house and, and be a movie star. Yeah. Right? Well, that's your 10-year plan. So what are the steps you need to do to get there? Maybe you need to take singing lessons, right? So in year one, in your one-year plan is going to be to take singing lessons and acting lessons. And then in year you know, one to five, you're going to get like, um, you're going to go work at a, like an acting school so you can pay for acting class, you know, whatever it is, like mm -hmm. there, there has to be steps to get there and, and you can try and go for the gold from the beginning, but chances are, if you don't take the steps to get there and a lot of people need to like clear out what is not serving them, mm -hmm. right? So what, what are the things in your life right now that are holding you down? Mm -hmm. Like what is keeping you down? And what, it's like, we, we call it like trimming the fat. Like what do you need to get rid of? And like, it's just even people mm -hmm. like people, like there are some people who make you so happy and are like, you can do anything. And then there's people that are like, why are you going to do that? That's yep. dumb. And those are the people who you need to get rid of. Yep. Like, I hate to say it, but those are the people that just, don't serve you anymore. Like you need to, for me, I needed to like really just stand my ground and stay focused. And like the people who are like, no, why are you doing that? I would just be like, cause that's what I want to do. Like, and I have to really not listen mm -hmm. to what they were saying. Yeah. I had to really like just move past it. So I think writing it down and really like getting clear with, with what imp who you are is, is where you start. And you could come do my yoga teacher training because my yoga teacher training is not just about teaching yoga. It's about learning how to be a leader and an impactful in your life. Wow. Where can they come and learn about your yoga teacher program? <laughs> they can go to ConnecticutPowerYoga.com and find out about it. All on there. I'm gonna or they can call or yeah. come to yoga. Yeah, I'm going to put everything in my show notes. Um, yeah, I mean, it's just... And I also, I also launched this other business. It's called um, Power Source Functional Therapy. And it's where I'm doing, as an occupational therapist, you know, occupational therapy is rooted in mental health. And, and as an occupational therapist, I want to use my skills as an OT and my skills as a yoga teacher and meditation and breathing to, like, create a plan for people. Because there are so many young people like yourself who are like, Oh my god, I don't know what to do, and it's causing so much anxiety. Oh, yes. It's and, awful. And you know, it's so sad because um I think our generation, especially what I, I don't have Instagram or Facebook on my phone, I deleted it because it gives you so much anxiety. Everyone around you is having a great time apparently, and 
everyone is like doing Instagram stories or you're supposed to do this, that, right. this, that. And it's just, it's overwhelming. I feel like everyone is asking for your attention and your focus and that hinders you from giving attention and focus to things that you want to create. For me, my podcast, right? Mm-hmm. So by focusing on someone else's life and someone else's story, I lose sight of my life and my story. So what I do is every day for like 20 minutes at night when I get home, I turn on my Instagram and Facebook and in the morning I delete it like so oh that's so smart I need to do that because I'm like addicted to my phone like I'm like always on it it's awful and 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 that's the other thing it's like human connection Mm -hmm. you know like you gotta have your human connection and yeah like I'm I'm I mean I do Instagram for my yoga studio and I'm the first to post the busiest classes Mm -hmm. and that is not reality all the time yeah. Like there are classes that we have two people yeah. and, and th- you know, it's funny cause I actually said one time I should just post the two people in the class because there's just some, you know, it's like nice I to think be you like, should because yeah. the world lacks authenticity. The world yeah. lacks, I, you know, like I, people see me as, Oh yeah, she's training for a marathon or she's doing podcasts, working full time. But like, they don't see that. I didn't do my class this morning. Like I, it's, I hate running or like waking up 4.30. Like I want to cry. But the only, the only thing you were going to see is like when I post after I finish my marathon, if I right. do, or the final product of creating this podcast. But it took us like, I think three weeks of planning to do this. Right. Like there, right? There's this guy I've been planning for seven months and there are times where I'm like scared to death that I'm not going to have a podcast for a week. So you could see someone's success, but you don't see the grind and the failure or the self-doubt or right. the craziness that goes on to make that happen. I always said I have my, my hashtag was crazy life, crazy wife. Like, you got to get a little crazy sometimes. Yeah. And I think like by people or even me just posting like the good stuff, like we forget that how much work goes into creating something we forget that like you who is listening right now I have self-doubt I don't think I'm good enough I don't think I'm this I don't think I'm doubt you know and I'm sure you have the same thing and it the only thing is after even after my brain says that I believe that life could be more and I just want to give my life as a gift to the world and you know let and listen to my courage over fear. You just have to keep doing the work. Yeah. It's constant. And it's never ending. Like you can be, I, I, I can imagine that like I will always be in this work because at the end of the day, it, it takes the crazy out of it. It yeah. makes the crazy not so, seem so bad. Yeah. And I think yeah. sometimes we're so focused on the future or what we want to accomplish that we lose we don't even sit back and reflect that how much far we have came or, you know, like the things that would trigger you or make you mad two years ago don't trigger you or make you mad or how you might have been nervous about certain situation don't make you nervous. Instead of appreciating how far you've come, you were always like looking for more and more and more. And I think in Buddhism, it says like more and desire is causes of all pain and suffering. And I think in our society I love that yeah and it's It's all about more and 
what do you want? Like investment banker, do you like your job? No, I hate my job. What do you want? I want more money. Why? I don't know. Right. I want more money, right. you know? Right. Right. And then they never get time to use it because they're always working. Yeah. That's why we have midlife crisis. You're in your 40s, never sit down, never reflect on your life. And when you're 40s, you're like, shit, why did I spend 25 years yeah. of my life? But I'm, so I'm 47 and I feel like I'm just now getting to the point where I'm like, all right, like, it's okay. Like, so my house isn't huge and my, you know, my kids, I don't have granite countertops. Like, all right, I want, do I want that? Yes. But I also want to go to Africa mm. and where's the balance? Like what, what's, what is more important at this moment? For you, experiences are more important, and that's what matters. Right. right. Like, my kids want to go to sleepaway camp, and I want them to go to sleepaway camp, and it's really expensive. And like my husband said, we have one – We have for each dollar we make, we can only spend it one time. Mm -hmm. So you have a choice. You could spend it on a Louis Vuitton bag. Or you could spend it on sending your kids to keep sleepaway camp. I'm not a fancy person, so I'm going to send my kids to sleepaway camp. But, you know, like, it's a choice. Like, we have choice. It's, I think that's the thing that we, we sometimes forget, like, I, that, that there's a choice. Mm -hmm. Like, I could, we could choose to say, all right, no sleepaway camp. We're going to, you know, buy a vacation house. Or we can choose to send them to sleepaway camp and figure out it another way. Yeah, no, I agree with you. There is always a choice. Um, I want to ask you some more question about like, is there any books you would recommend to our listeners? Like some of your favorite books? Yeah. So some of my favorite books, oh my goodness. The four agreements is a great one. Yes. I love that book. <laughs> the four agreements, um, being of power by Baron Baptiste is an amazing book. Okay. You should read that one. Being of power. Okay. Yeah. Being of power is great. It just, it's so like, yeah, it's like, uh-huh, uh, yeah. <laughs> and then, oh, I just read The Badass um, by Jen, Chin, Jen Sincero, Sincero. Okay. That was a great one. The Badass, okay. A Badass. And then, oh, the Brene Brown Into the Wilderness. Oh, my, I just <gasps> downloaded it. Is it good? Oh, my God. I just, you know what, I, I thought it was going to go one way, and then it ended another way, and I was like, oh. <gasps> Wow. So true. It was just like, oh, my God, I'm so in the wild right now. I'm so in the middle of the wilderness. And, you know, like, <laughs> I'm good. I, I kind of refuse listening to or I listen to audiobook. I don't read. I used to read. Yeah, me too. And I refuse to listen or read her book because she was so popular. And I think sometimes when someone is so popular, you just feel like, I don't want to listen to it. I don't know. Do you, do you know what I mean? Like, I totally know what you mean, but it's really good. Then I started listening Daring Greatly, and I'm like five hours in. And wow, she deserves yeah. every single... Oh, I, I don't know. I didn't read that one. What is it? Daring Greatly? Yeah. Daring. Um, yeah, I'm reading this other one called Flourish, but it's very confusing. Okay. Um, well, I'm listening to it. It's Flourish by Martin Seligman. How many um, books do you have in your audiobook? I'm, 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 oh, well, so it's interesting because I'm, I'm growing up, I had some reading comprehension issues, so I hate reading. Yeah. Hate it. And I, so I listen to the books on tape and I love it because it just makes it, but sometimes I actually listen and like I have the book and I like make notes. I do too. Yeah. I've been like, even while running, I listen and. Oh, yeah. Yeah. It's, it's addicting. I would say like, one like 
probably like two percent of my paycheck goes on audiobooks. It's audiobooks, yeah, totally. I mean, my I leave my husband in charge of all that downloading <laughs> it and stuff. So good. That's awesome. Um, any mantra or quote you live by? Any mantra or quote I live by? Well, I think um, you know it's funny because there's so many. Yeah, but one thing that you tell yourself when you're going through like a hard time, or you just love that quote. Yeah, so there was one that was just said, and by Paige Ellenson actually used a quote by Muhammad Ali, and it says, "Service to others is rent you pay for your time here on Earth." Mm. And I think that it's so true. Like if you can be of service to other people and impact other people, then you've done your job as a human being. And I also think genuine and authentic service, being true to yourself. Totally. And then, you know, interesting from the Brene Brown, here's just another one because it's just popping up. It's owning our stories and loving ourselves through that process is the bravest thing we will ever do. So just being able to own your story and loving yourself through owning your story Mm. is the bravest thing you'll ever do. That's like pretty impactful she's she's great guys if you're listening to this please check out Brene Brown's work uh she's everywhere so you might be like oh my god she's I, I hear her in another podcast but she definitely deserves all the attention she's getting she's so awesome yeah for sure yeah um what advice would you give to your 20 year old self my 20 oh yeah yeah <laughs> you know sometimes I'm like oh I wish I could go back to my 20s like I have a lot of yoga students who are in their 20s and I look at them and I'm like, if you only knew, (laughs) if you only know what's going to happen. And I think what I would say to my 20-year-old self was own your story. Like own your story. Like that quote that I just said from Brene Brown. What do you mean by own your story? Like look at your life and where you use your story, the story about like, like I'm I'm too fat. I'm too skinny. I'm not good enough. Mm. I, I need to do this. I need to do that. Like my parents never loved me. My sister hates me. Like all of those things are just, it's just, it just, it just gives you fuel to your fire Mm -hmm. and like, let it go. The only person that you need to be responsible for is you. So if you like, this is what uh, this one therapist said to me, cause I always used to say, I want to, I want to go move to the middle of nowhere and I want to have a really big farm table. And she said, who's going to sit at the farm table mm-hmm. in the middle of nowhere? And really, the only person that's moving to the middle of nowhere is me. So I'm bringing myself with me. So you're the common denominator in every relationship that you have. So if there's a problem with one person and then another person and then another person, look inside. Stop blaming other people for your shit. Amen, sister. Wow. That is true. Yeah. Wow, that's powerful. Next, your last question. What is your definition of courage? Stepping out of your comfort zone. Being okay with being uncomfortable would be my definition of courage. Like, be okay with being uncomfortable to get what you want. So, if it means you need to quit your job in order to seek out the things that you want to do, then you should do that. Amen. Amen. Thank you so much. This is so much fun. You're welcome. Yes, it was. 
Hey, you guys, thank you so, so much for listening to this podcast. I really, really appreciate your time. And if you enjoyed this episode, then make sure to subscribe because every single week I will come up with awesome and epic interviews like this one. And do not forget to check out my website, limitlessgrid.com for show notes. So I will see you next week.